Hey, Gen. Hey, what up, man? I'm sitting there hanging out in my bedroom and I open up my Switch. And I was just going to go boot up like some Tetris 99 while I'm getting ready for bed, right? And I, and I get a notification on my Switch that a patch for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate's downloading. And I'm a big Smash boy, okay? And, like, I didn't hear anything about a fucking update coming out. I was like, oh, what's this? I'm pleasantly surprised. I go look at the patch notes, and everybody's, like, ooh-wooing about Small Battlefield. I'm like, Small Battlefield? That's a fucking meme. That, that, there's no way that's real. Shut the fuck up. What was it, the patch? And no sure as shit! There's a wow. new stage. It's called Small Battlefield. So now, now we have big. We have Battlefield, big oh. Battlefield, small mm. Battlefield. What Small sure. Battlefield is? It is literally what it says. It is a smaller version of Battlefield. Two platforms instead of three. It has smaller kill boxes all the way around. And my God, is it fun to play on? Huh. That's interesting that that's literally what that was. I, I saw people talking about that on Twitter, and I didn't think it was a real thing. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I just want to look at patch notes. It's like small battlefield. I was like, that's bullshit. Just like drop a stage. I guess they did. Yeah, they just dropped a stage. And it's really cool. Yeah. You, a lot of characters kill a lot earlier on that stage. There's a lot of shenanigans. So it could be a good counterpick stage, perhaps. I think it's a great counterpick stage if you're, like, a certain type of heavy character. Because you can, yeah. like, you'll survive a lot longer, and then just, like, drop people off. It's also good for characters with, like, worse recoveries. Because you'd, uh, you basically end up with the same, like, a, more of a similar recovery space to your opponent. The kill box is smaller. But yeah, it's okay. super cool. I want to play on it more. I haven't, I haven't really played on it at all myself, but I've, like... I talk to my Smash friends about it. I watch people play on it. Super cool, super fun. But that's not the only thing they did on this patch. They also patched the online a little bit. A little bit of, a little bit of fix to it. So, so some, of your, uh, some online gameplay lingo here. Smash Ultimate uh, runs at, uh, at like a ping of 30. It's called a ping of 30 the whole time. Like a, a rate of 30, a bit rate. That's what it's bit rate of, of uh, 30, okay? And when sure. bit rate works, the higher the bit rate, the better. Okay? 30 bit rate's not very mm -hmm. good. In fact, it causes a lot of problems. A lot of older mm -hmm. online games run on 30 bit rate. So, that plus no rollback, play based net code, matches a lot of problems playing online. It's terrible, actually. Really awful. Unless you're playing with somebody like close to you, also has good internet. And you're wired to buy a wired adapter for the Switch. It's not good. So, yeah. this patch increased the bitrate of 1v1 lobbies and, and, like, the quick play 1v1s to 60 bitrate. Which is better by, by, like, double. So, smaller 1v1 lobbies and the, just the quick play feature are a lot more tolerable now. Which is pretty fucking sick. Bless up on him. Hmm. Now, where the fuck is Dante from the Devil May Cry series? Oh, God, I hope. Him and Crash Bandicoot are the ones that I feel like we need. We gotta have, like, another... Hmm. We gotta have, like, a fucking trailer coming, like, this month or something, you'd think, right? 
something else. I mean, like, I'm, I'm hoping we get some Nintendo news at some point. Yeah, it's been only... so long. They had that mini direct, which wasn't anything from Nintendo. Well, uh, last time we had like a, a full on direct was like in March, right? Think. Like that last Animal Crossing direct. So, like, what what are the games they're coming out with this year? Animal Crossing, Paper Mario. Is that it? No, there's got to be something for the holiday season. They've got to announce you it. Like, would fucking soon. think so. It's Pikmin three. Lol. Yeah, I God, I hope not. That's all they got. <laughs> I mean, it'll still be a very successful year for Nintendo financially because Animal Crossing sold immaculately. Yeah, it's crazy. But, but like, I, I still think that, like, you know, in order to ca- catch up, like, and they're going to have to catch up to Sony and even Microsoft this holiday season, there needs to be something coming out. Something big. Yeah, I, I, hope, those, so. I hope those Mario rumors are true. If a Mario 64 remaster comes out, like, normally the remasters aren't a big deal, but that remaster is a huge deal. This year, remasters are a huger deal than ever because they're happening more frequently. Right. And they're like, and they're happening for great games, too. Great older games that are harder to find and play. And Mario 64 is a game on the Nintendo 64, which is a console that just, like, does not get remasters. So, yeah. if Mario 64... Nintendo doesn't do remakes. They do However, that. they did just change that recently, so who knows? Right. You do that shit with Mario 64. Link's Awakening. If they, if they give Mario 64 that treatment, it's fucking over. It's over. Give me mm-hmm. that. I want a fucking Wahoo on the go. I would love to Wahoo. I want a Wahoo on you. Please, no. <laughs> That's a big Mama Mia from me. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Gen and Job Show. That's Gen! That's right, Job, and today we're going to look at the traffic cam and see what's going on out in your neck of the woods. <laughs> or whatever you're going with with this voice. I don't no, know. That was, what, that was pretty much where I was going. Thank you. Okay. Hate that. <laughs> Tonight. I'm and I'm Gen. Hi. How you, how you doing? <laughs> Uh, doing pretty good, buddy. It's good to sit down and talk with you. It's been uh, 2020 sucks. Continues. Yeah. <laughs> it can, the downward spiral of 2020 continues to spiral downward. At least we watched an excellent movie in the midst of it. My God. One of the greatest of all time, if I do say so myself. Oh, God. I'm so. I, dude, I knew you were going to be on this train. Remember when I told you when we first started this? I was like. I think Army of Darkness is the best one. You're like, I don't know about that one, Chief. Like, no. It has been a while since I've seen it, but like, literally every single part is good. (laughs) Every moment of that movie hits. Except for one. Yeah, there's one that's. uh, Well, you know. Just one. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, But before that. 
you've both played a game. I think we'd like to talk about it. Yeah, I've played a couple things that I want to talk about. But uh, Fall Guys came out. Yes, it did. I know a lot of people have talked about this shit. But I would love to talk about it a little bit. I have not played anywhere near as much as Gen has. Um, due to the crazy week I've had, I've only had a chance to play a couple games of it. But a couple games I did absolutely love. I also played the game at PAX uh, earlier this year. Very briefly. Oh, okay. Um, I've been I've been playing enough to get to rank eleven out of forty at this point for the season one. Um, I love this game. It's it's very great. I love how short and quick each match is. Uh, sometimes shorter than you want it to be because you lose. But uh, I, I do appreciate that it's very bite sized. You know, and playing other games can sometimes take forever. Um, for example, Friday the Thirteenth game. Those matches can be like a half hour. I like Fall Guys because I think matches are like five to ten minutes, depending on how good you do. And that's great. It's quick, it's easy to learn, to play, to know what to do. Yeah, it's incredibly accessible. Insanely hard to win, though. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it, it is the, like the top of like. Like you have to get your peak platforming prowess and get a little bit lucky to win games in Fall Guys. I've gotten somewhat close, but not close enough. I've not. You know, on on average, how many rounds are like in a full game? I think it's always five, but it could be less okay. depending on if uh, if you get um, like most stages are designed to like filter out a specific number of people. But the fucking slime climb seems to not work as intended because more people can get eliminated than uh, than pass. So like, that's one of the ones that you'll uh, you'll die on a lot as a rookie. Uh, I'm still not good at slime climb. Uh, you know, because like it'll say that like you know there's a certain number that will qualify for the next round. Like, so let's say it's like 42 can go to the next round. I've had slime climbs go where only 11 make it. And then it immediately goes to like another game. And then the final round, like it's, it's super quick sometimes. Um, but usually I think it's designed to be like five rounds. Right. Okay. And, uh, some of them are, you know, obstacle coursey and i like those a lot and then some of them are team-based games and those can be the most frustrating things ever i gotta say super glad this game doesn't have voice chat because everyone would be toxic on the voice chat oh yeah dude (laughs) everyone would be so toxic on the voice chat keep keep the game wholesome Thank you. It is very wholesome. I love the art style of it. It reminds me of like a little bit like like gang beasts. Um, yeah, super uh, playful and fun, colorful, very simplistic, and uh, absolutely love this. Uh, you know, wipeout or MXC or whatever vibe it has. Ninja Warrior, where it's like a reference a lot. Sure, you know they're they're all modern versions of. Takeshi's castle. Yeah, really. Or a dub of it in MXC's case, which is uh, 
a show that I used to really love, but has probably not aged well if I had to guess. But um, I liked it back then. Anyway, it good. Great. I don't have a whole lot more else to say about it other than it good and that um, team games are frustrating. But I don't think I would take them out of the game. I, I'm seeing like a division between people. There are people that are like, fuck the team games. Just fuck them entirely. Hate them. And I'm like, well, I've got a half and half on it because like. It's more about people fucking you over because they're bad. Yeah. Or you're just outmatched by someone who is like a, a team that is stacked with people that are clearly better than you. It's just it's hard to know. And like, I wish that it, it didn't like come down to getting eliminated by a team game that often. And uh, I wish the grab mechanic worked a little better because I have lost on so many matches relying on grabbing tails or keeping a tail. The bane of my existence in this game, (laughs) but uh, whatever it's uh, it's like, it's not like you're you're even mad when you lose. So at least I'm not because the art style is so innocent (laughs) and uh, y'all you get progression towards your season. No matter what, so yeah, he gets this cool stuff you could earn. Um, also, yeah. there there are microtransactions in the. Um, you will literally not need them. I don't know why they're yeah. there. I guess if people really, I guess. I guess I've gotten enough coins to buy all kinds of stuff already, and uh, you know, I got me a raptor outfit. I've been rocking. It's good shit. Uh, now the hard stuff to get is crowns. Because that's either you win or there's a couple in the season progression path. Like you got to get to like level 20, you get a crown, something like that. But other than that, you have to win to get a crown currency. And that sucks because there's like, you know, outfits that cost three crowns. And that's that's some hard shit right there. Can't microtransaction your way out of that one. (laughs) I, I think. Games, buddy, I think we got it. Eventually. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I, I don't think, you know, they're going to take away any of the cosmetic items. Um, I think it's going to be like Crash Team Racing. Ultimately, we're like, you know, uh, every season there's new shit that's exclusive to that level up path. And uh, but then all the other stuff in the store will always be there on a rotating basis of some sort. Yeah. Uh, it good. Play it. I'm sure everybody in the world already is. Nobody needs us to tell them to play it. God, no. It's free on PS Plus right now, which is a bargain and a half. Anything else have you played? Oh, I yeah, played, Justin. I have played nothing else, so it, once again, you were here. Oh. Well, hey. I do have a lot of things I could talk about, but um, let's, let's go like with a, the game that I've beat. Yeah. Like a, Completely. Like, a, like a couple. Okay. Well. Whoa. Here she comes. Watch out, boy. She'll chew you up. Whoa. Here she comes. I beat Maneater. Yeah! <laughs> this is a... Maneater's <laughs> a shark cool game. Shark game. Game as shark. Play as shark oh, God, game. that game was at PAX. I wanted to play it so fucking bad. But every time I passed yeah. by the booth for it... The line was capped. 
You know, it, I, I, that doesn't surprise me one bit. Um, Man-eater is a better idea than in execution, I believe. Um, it's great. It, it's not, you know, the best thing I've ever played. It's very janky. But it was fun while I played it. Like, I'm not going to complain one bit. Um, I've seen a lot of people complain about it because <laughs> it's janky. But I didn't really have a big issue with it. Um, so, Man-eater, if you're not aware... Is a game where you play as a shark, straight up. And, uh, you're going to eat other fish, and you're going to eat humans. You know, you are Jaws, and uh, you're out to eat as many people as you, as you can. Uh, you start out as a baby shark, do do to do to do. Okay. Okay. And and then uh, it has a level up system. So the more shit you eat, and the more humans you kill. The more collectibles you get, the more missions you pass, the higher your level goes, and eventually you become a teenager, and eventually you become an adult, and eventually you become a mega shark, which is a prehistoric beast that is uh, bigger than any other shark, and can <laughs> casually you can casually eat great white whales, I mean great white sharks, My and God. fight killer whales, and uh, at the end of the game, it's pretty crazy. Um, so it kind of is an open world game. Um, the areas are a little restricted early on, but eventually you can open up the entire thing and kind of swim all around and go to various areas. But it's kind of meant to be approached as levels. I was noticing that like you can kind of like swim into another area and it'll hit you with a big load screen, which isn't necessarily the best way to handle an open world. But hey, whatever. Um, so. I think the weird thing about this game is I've never really played a game where the side content and the main content are virtually indistinguishable because this game is very simple and there's not a lot of variety in the objectives. Basically you unlock a new area uh, and there'll be a couple missions available to you and it's like eat this fish or go and eat a bunch of this tiny fish, like go eat 10 catfish in this area, or go kill this alligator. Or it'll be something like kill 10 humans in this area. And that's it. That is the mission variety for the entire game, uh, which is incredibly simplistic to a disappointing degree. That's that's disappointing. Uh, I would have loved if it had specific missions with story elements, but you have to play as a shark. That would have been cool, especially because the uh, the way this game's story works is actually kind of original and interesting. Uh, it's presented in the format of a like Discovery Channel esque yeah. show, Shark Week. Where yes, it, it's it's basically like you know my dad watches a lot of these kind of shows. You know your deadliest catches and yeah. your swamp people and. Uh, <laughs> and stuff like that and it's very tongue-in-cheek making fun of these kind of shows which is great it, it does it very well um so your main dude uh is named scaly pete he is your antagonist and he is a large man with a big beard and so it is uh at the beginning of the game you kind of have a like uh symphony of the night 
kind of opening where uh <laughs> you know where like you have all your abilities at the beginning of the game and then they get taken away from you but the way they do that is you are the mega shark at the beginning and then scaly pete kills you but that shark was pregnant and then that's the shark you play as the little tiny shark so when he rips the little tiny shark out of the mama's belly it eats his entire hand <laughs> and that's you that's who you play as the whole game so you're kind of out for revenge because he killed your mom but at the same time it implies that like that fish killed his dad so like whatever it's just a vicious cycle i guess it's more similar to orca than jaws now that i think about it because it's kind of like just one guy fighting the orca and also it remembers so like you know because <laughs> you're playing as it don't know if you remember the movie orca that's a bit of a sort of bit of a deep cut. <laughs> I know. I know of it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, this entire game has a narrator played by, I, I think, Chris Parnell. Um, and he's doing a very sarcastic narrator voice. He'll just like occasionally pipe in to tell you a fact or something as if he's like the narrator on a Discovery Channel show. Uh, but most of the time, it's just a joke and it's something stupid. Like, he'll say, like, you know, like, you have, like, grottos you go to that are kind of, like, your save areas. Uh, and, like, when you spawn from one, he'll say something like, you know, the shark retreats to his grotto to understand the meaning of self-love. And I'm like, are you fucking I making a <laughs> masturbation joke about the shark right now? Excuse me, <laughs> and, sir? Uh, excuse me? Uh, he'll say some funny shit. Um, so... It's it's an open world game and it kind of has a Grand Theft Auto-esque wanted system that is very simplistic, but easy to understand. So when you kill humans, um, that's bad, I guess. So <laughs> so they uh, they call shark hunters on you and uh, they come for you and they'll shoot at you. They'll send little divers out, too, if you're below the surface. But most of the time you're going to be jumping out of the water and trying to chomp them on their boat, which is the most fun stuff in the game, but it's also the most monotonous stuff in the game, because you're going to be doing this a lot. Uh, but it's a lot of fun to, like, literally just jump out of the ocean and then chomp on a dude on a boat. It's it's great. Um, eventually, after you kill so many, they will send a named character after you, and you can see this in its own little screen. It's the infamy screen. At the beginning of the game, you're infamy zero. But the more hunters you kill, the more of these named characters come out and you kill them in order. Like the first guy is just a, you know, like dude, bro, asshole that is easy to kill. But by the end, you're fighting like a like a mafia boss lady and like <laughs> a military commander who is like an expert and they have much more advanced weaponry. But the goal is the same. Eat guy. Infamy go up. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I like that aspect of the game. But Scaly Pete is separate from all that, and he's kind of just like your... Uh, you check in with him every now and then and see a cutscene of him, and you have two boss fights against him, one of which is like halfway through the game and one of which is like at the end of the game, the final thing you do. And uh, a little bit of tonal whiplash with the story because uh, it's this satirical Discovery Channel show so it's mostly humorous and presented as such. But then the stuff with Scaly Pete gets oddly serious 
uh, because the 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 first boss fight against him, um, his son is on the boat, and you destroy the boat, and then the son blows up, but Scaly Pete lives. So his son died, and also he got his foot chopped off and burnt. So the next time you see Scaly Pete, he's like a madman, and he is like planning to blow the fuck up out of you, the shark, for killing his son and taking his leg and burning his face. And it got like really serious real quick. Oh my god. But, uh, so you have the final Start. fight with him, and it's the only hard part in the entire game. Uh, besides maybe like trying to bite off a little more than you can chew early on. Because like you can fight crocodiles that are level 10 when you're level 5, but don't. You'll hard die. to do. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's just a little difficult to understand what to do because like um there's a mechanic where you can pick stuff up and uh, tail whip it at people, but you don't use it very often in the game. However, the last boss requires it, and uh, I literally forgot it was a thing you could do. By the end of the game, <laughs> you have to pick up torpedoes he sends at you, tail whip them back at his ship to beat him. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess I won't spoil the ending. I will say it's very... Uh, it's very... Uh, I don't know. Melancholy, I guess. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It feels it feels like a definitive ending, though. Like, it feels like you shouldn't be able to free roam after this ending. Uh, but you can. And uh, I guess the only other thing I would talk about is the collectibles, which are very simplistic and often funny. Uh, you'll find, like, license plates throughout the environment. You just have to bite them, and they're usually high up. So you got to wait until you're a big, giant shark. And then you got to, like breach the surface at a speed and then start jumping because you can like jump on land and stuff like you know but you just can't be out of the water for too long because <laughs> you're a shark uh you just gotta like do some fancy jumps to get up to those but but the interesting ones are the landmarks and these are like little in jokes like i literally found uh, a pineapple under the sea and uh you know there's some funny stuff like you know shipwrecks and uh skeletons in the water you know uh but one that really threw me off is i found pennywise in a sewer grate <laughs> um he's just chilling there's just a clown chilling holding a balloon clearly it's pennywise and oh he God. just he's he's just there i'm like okay bye <laughs> and then went back to eating people i guess uh <laughs> that's, that's fun man eater's a lot of fun it's just very monotonous and i wish that like there was more variety to its content because it's literally just go eat this thing go eat this thing go kill these people go eat this thing repeat on next stage and i i wish it had a little more variety and a little more thought put into missions or something but you know it's it's a short little open world experience you know maybe like 10 hours uh, that I thought was fine. I'd recommend it. I had fun with it. Yeah. All right. You got a quick one for me? Um, maybe. I got a weird one for you that okay. I forgot to talk about a long time ago. Okay. I watched an anime OVA, Justin. Uh-huh. Uh, that um, I saw a clip of it on Twitter on a no context account. Yeah, 
And uh, the clip, uh, I saw, you know, some people, I forget who specifically said this, but they said I had to double check what account posted this. And I did, too, because I was assuming it was on the um, no context violence. But no, it was on no context porn. So I did a triple take (laughs) and said, what? Because this scene was incredible. It was in a bowling alley and it was an action scene that was just the hottest shit. It was so good. There was just. Ooh, what a good action scene. (laughs) Um, Just such good animation. Um, but, um, but apparently this is porn. So I looked into it and technically, yes, it's a hentai. However, um, unlike most hentai where the porn is the entire point of its existence, this one feels like much the opposite. I was even seeing rumors that, uh, Mezzo Forte was only made because they wanted it to be a normal anime OVA but they couldn't get funding until they you know talked to a hentai distributor and they gave them the money for it and so they reluctantly put in two sex scenes so like just to give you an idea of how much of it is actually porn um it's like 50 minutes long it's in two parts and the it's like maybe 1 minute of that is porn maybe that's pushing it uh there are edits of it that edit that out. And that's how I would prefer to watch it for sure, because it's actually not bad. It's actually really good. It deserves to not be bogged down by its reputation as a fucking hentai. <laughs> um, and, yeah, that kind of sucks for it. Yeah, I saw that scene and like, I heard about it a little bit. And like, yeah, it sounds awesome. It's really cool. So Mezzoforte is about, um, you know, they don't answer a lot of questions for you. It's kind of just fun action comedic. Um, but there's some kind of organization. Uh, what are they called? The DSA, which stands for the Danger Service Agency. And, uh, you know, you have like a highly trained female operative who's like the main driving force of this trio. Then you got the guy who's like into robotics and he can make like weapons and robots and things. And then you have the guy that's in charge of it and he's like an ex cop. So they kind of like use their, he, they use his like information as an ex cop to like go do like, I guess, mercenary esque missions for people. Uh, the opening is them selling sex robots to a dude. To, to this duo who are degenerates. Uh, but turns out they're bombs, so they fuck those guys over. That was the plan the whole time. Uh, and they uh, run away from those guys. Then they get mixed up in a mob-related story. So uh, all the covers for it, I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now. The cover for it says double the girls, double the guns. So there's another girl. And she is a Mafia Don's daughter, and the Mafia Don is insane. He owns a baseball team, and the the intro to him is the pitcher is bad, and he is mad that they lose a baseball game. So then they fucking murder him (laughs) in a parking garage. Okay. And uh, the daughter is a complete psychopath, and, you know, it's just, you know, kind of let do whatever she wants by her 
mafia Don dad. Uh, so the so our our crew, the DSA, gets approached with a job to kidnap this mafia Don, but they don't know it's a mafia Don. They don't know who he is. So they get mixed up in this, and you know that's kind of when the uh, the bowling alley scene happens because they okay. choose to kidnap him while he's at a bowling alley, <laughs> and um, you know it, obviously it doesn't go nearly without a hitch because they have to fight the mafia Don daughter, and uh, she is very distraught. They get away with her dad, and uh, so in 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 the scuffle they accidentally killed the man, killed the mafia Don guy. And you got like some humorous scenes where they're trying to like convince uh, the girl that the dad is still alive and stuff because they're they're trying to get like you know they're trying not to die here because they're like now worried for their lives and it, it's a lot of fun. It just take I don't know. I'm trying to remember all the details. It's been a while since I've watched it now because I forgot to talk about it for the podcast for several weeks now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's really a lot of fun. It's just general fun action sequences, uh, fun chase scenes, and fun fight scenes. Um, the girls are animated very suggestively, but I don't even think that's atypical for anime, let alone hentai. So literally, if you just cut out these two very awkward scenes, it's fine. The two awkward scenes in question are literally one is a nightmare that the girl has that the other two characters fuck her and that's easy to cut out just cut that out (laughs) right and then the other one is uh the main character is captured by the mafia dawn girl and the two scumbag uh robot sex robot dealers from earlier uh show up and Mafia Dawn girl is a bitch, so she just says, do whatever you want with her, and they, you know, rape her. And it's fucking awful, and I hate it. Um, But then it turns out that it wasn't actually her. Surprise, they planted a robot, sex robot, and that's who they fucked, actually. And then they end up killing the fuck out of those guys and the Mafia Dawn girl anyway. But, like, still easy to cut out. Yeah, just cut that. Like, you can just imply that that happens, and then, like, at least the main character didn't get fucked. It was just a robot. And I, it's still a little creepy and terrible, but they only inserted it probably to get funding. I'm going to have to believe yeah, that's, that. Apparently, that's what the story is, <laughs> is that they, that they were looking for funding for the film, and, and then there's a hentai studio. It was like, if you put two sex scenes in your movie, we'll fund it. You're like okay, it's, it's, it's the bare minimum to be considered a hentai. There is a little bit of nudity here and there uh, throughout it, matter. but that's also not hentai. That's just nudity. That would just mean that this is rated R or whatever. Uh, that's not that bad, you know. A titty never hurt anybody, but a rape scene would. Fuck off with that shit. Please don't put it in things. <laughs> um. It's it's like it's a lot more fun than I would have gave it credit. And apparently it was popular enough to spawn a season of an anime called Mezzo DSA, uh, which I will look into at some point. Um, I've heard it's not nearly as good as this OVA, 
uh, maybe because you don't have all the original people and like as good of animation. But I liked the characters and I liked the action. So like I would be super willing to watch more in a non watching it on Pornhub fashion. <laughs> like I fucking it was hard to find. Um, there are versions of it that exist that cut that shit out. Um, I think there's even a DVD you could buy where that is the case. And if you could find a version of it that doesn't have the sex scenes, give Bezel Forte a watch. It is great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I want to watch that. It sounds fucking sweet. <laughs> it, it's literally like if for no reason you put like two graphic sex scenes into like a John Wick movie and like it doesn't need to be there. It really doesn't. It doesn't serve any purpose. Like, it it stands out as really fucking weird that it's there. Yeah. So, find a version that doesn't have that in it, or like, I don't know, lol lol, close your eyes during those parts and pretend they're not there. Uh, Apparently, (laughs) that version does exist somewhere. Yeah, it does. I think you can get it on DVD. I just don't know how out of print and expensive that is. Probably very. Hmm. Likely very. But anywho. How about more good stuff? Let's talk about... Talk about the best stuff. The best. The absolute best shit. We're on number three of the Evil Dead trilogy. And that one is called Army of Darkness. Oh, man. For some reason. Well, actually, I know why. I'll get into it in a bit. Right. Army of... I can't see. Army of dankness. Uh-huh. Uh, Reddit monkey. Na, 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 na. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, um, you know, I was definitely on the side of Evil Dead 2. Like, let's just talk about this now. I was thinking Evil Dead 2 was better than this one. From it's, what I remember. It's not. I think they're just as good as each other, but they serve different functions entirely. And I think I'm going to come out in favor of Army of Darkness because it's it's, you know, I love horror, but this is more accessible and more fun to me. This is infinitely more rewatchable than Evil Dead 1 and maybe even Evil Dead 2, because just everything is so damn funny and fun. It's more of an action comedy than a horror film, for sure. Hundred percent, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I really respect them for doing something different with the third one. So this is the 1992 sequel to Evil Dead Two. Uh, Raimi returning to write and direct, Tapert returning to produce, and Bruce Campbell returning to star once again. So the original concept of sending Ash to the 1300s was going to be the plot of part two. We talked about that last week a bit uh, before their distributor, Dino De Laurentiis, uh requested Evil Dead 2 be more similar to Evil Dead 1. So 2 was a success, or at least enough so that Raimi and, and co. Could, could finally make their idea a reality with this third film. So uh, I got this quote from Bruce Campbell on the decision to make the third movie different than the previous two. Uh, quote, we all decided, get him out of the cabin. There were earlier drafts where part three still took place there, but we thought, well, we all know that cabin. It's time to move on. 
The three of us decided to keep it in 1300 because it's more interesting. And thank God they did. Um, I love Evil Dead 1 and 2. I love that they all take place mostly in a cabin. But I don't need three movies in a row that are just that, necessarily. We can get out of the cabin. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate that they did something different with this concept. Now, it's important to note that in between Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, Raimi wrote and directed another movie, and that is Dark Man for Universal Pictures. Um, I've never seen that movie. I've heard it's fun. It's a, uh, you know, precursor to what he would eventually do with some Spider-Mans in the 2000s. I, I guess that like Dark Man exists because they wanted to make either the Shadow or a Batman movie, and they couldn't get the rights. Mm. So they just said, "Fuck it, it's Dark, Dark Man," Man. <laughs> and they like made up their own thing. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it, unfortunately. I know there's three of them, so maybe we could put it on the wheel one day. Dark uh, Man. Don't know how good it is. Don't know how much it holds up, but it's a Sam Raimi movie, so it has to at least be decent enough. Yeah, sure. I mean, I know Crime Wave exists, but still. Crime anyway, <laughs> so Darkman was a success, and that allowed Dino De Laurentiis, uh, who had a multi-picture deal with Universal, to make sure Army of Darkness would be one of them. Now, Raimi wanted to work with Scott Spiegel again, who helped write Evil Dead 2. But Spiegel was busy rewriting Clint Eastwood's film The Rookie. <laughs> so oh. Sam Raimi so Sam Raimi wrote the script with his other brother, not Ted, Ivan Raimi. Um, so Ivan is a doctor. Dr. Raimi, huh. straight up. Okay. Uh, and as such, he usually doesn't work on movie scripts too often. When he does, it's usually only to collab with his brother, Sam Raimi. <laughs> um, the two contributed to the screenplay for Dark Man before this, and he would later collab with Raimi on Spider-Man 3 and Drag Me to Hell. So take of that what you will. The best, the best Raimi movie? <laughs> A couple of the worst Raimi movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, you know. So anyway, <laughs> before being called simply army of darkness uh the film as you may expect was going to be called evil dead 3 colon army of darkness uh which makes sense um now i think universal wanted to distance it a bit from evil dead and have it stand out on its own with its own title i'm not sure why but maybe it was a good thing ultimately in the long run because i mean i saw this movie before the other evil deads I guess it worked on me. Yeah. I think it's worked on several people over the years. This one does stand on its own enough, but I don't think it necessarily would be a fault against it if it was called Evil Dead 3 or anything. No. Um, now, before their original title for this movie is the best title for this movie that we never got. And I wish that they went with this one. Okay. Medieval Dead. Oh my god. That would have been fucking amazing. <laughs> I wish they could have called it Medieval Dead. That's the fucking best. Because that is what it is. Like, what, 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 what are we... What are we doing here? Right. That's fucking awesome, now, damn it. None of those titles, though, 
is the best one I've heard for this movie. Because the best one I've heard for this movie is the Japanese title, which is, I shit you not, Captain Supermarket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just because he works at the supermarket? Yeah, yeah. He's Captain Supermarket. Yeah, sure. Shop smart, shop smart. Oh my god. I don't know why they latched on to that aspect for the title, but Japan is weird. Yeah, for, like, probably a total of, like, what, two and a half minutes in this movie? That's smart. (laughs) I mean, he mentions it early on, but, like, it's whatever. (sighs) So Sam Raimi's inspiration for Army of Darkness came from a diverse bunch of stuff, as you can expect. You know, obviously, the, the most obvious one, I would say, is the book A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. I mean, it's 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 pretty obvious. <laughs> and uh, there's also some Gulliver's travels in here yeah. with, uh, you know, little creatures tying up a big one. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> as well as uh, films like The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and Jason and the Argonauts with their very famous stop motion animation. Yeah, make good use of that. The big skeleton mm-hmm. war. Hell yeah, the Skeleton War of 92. Where were you in the Skeleton (laughs) War of 92? And also stuff like Conan the Barbarian, which I could see. I could see that too. Uh, And also, who could forget the Three Stooges? That is also... Just like in Evil Dead 2, a lot of that like Mm -hmm. sensibility of of its humor has carried. Well, it's been expanded to be the whole movie, basically. Um... So working with Universal helped Raimi get a bigger budget than the previous Evil Dead films, but the scope of this third film dwarfed the others, and the budget was still not enough. Uh, So, in fact, uh, when Universal demanded a new ending, which I'll get to later, uh, Raimi, Tapert, and Campbell ended up putting one million of their salary for the film, uh, putting it into shooting the new ending themselves because Universal wasn't willing to fit foot the bill for that. I'm glad they did it because the ending we did get for this movie is fucking incredible. I love it. Um, So this movie, as you could kind of expect, was, you know, a lot of it was filmed on a Hollywood soundstage. Uh, So Sam Raimi used intro vision technology, and this is, you know, the, the technology that's used to you know, the rear screen or, or front screen, I forget which, projection, where you're combining shots and combining stop motion with live action, stuff like that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of that in this movie. It's rear projection, by the way. Okay, gotcha. Um, this is similar to the process done by Ray Harryhausen on, you know, I just mentioned Seventh Boy, just in bed, and Jason and the Argonauts. He also did, like, Clash of the Titans and a bunch of other classics. Uh, all huge influences for the film and Sam Raimi wanted to do stuff like that. So he did stuff like that. (laughs) Um, Some other scenes were shot at Bronson Canyon and Vasquez rocks, natural area park in California. Uh, The castle set was built near the Mojave desert and the cast and crew endured uh, extremely hot days and extremely hot nights because desert. Oh, cold nights. Sorry. Yeah, the desert flip-flops. It's fun. Uh, Of particular annoyance was the fact that the film took place almost entirely at night, 
and they were shooting in the summer. So that meant nights are shorter than the days, meaning, you know, after the lighting had been prepared, often the crew only had like six hours to shoot and then they had to go do something else because <laughs> that's how long the night lasts. That's so brutal. let's start getting into it. Hell yeah, dude. Army of Darkness picks up exactly where what you would expect. Yes, with another uh, retelling of Evil Dead 1 and yeah. also Evil Dead 2. Right. You, um, you, get, a, you get a little a short little scene of, uh, of Ash getting pulled in a chain gang. Yeah, he like flashbacks back to it. Yeah, he's like, I had a yeah. real life once. And you get a little scene finally seeing him in his day job. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Says, shop smart. Shop S. His fucking hair yes. is done. He's got a little, little bit of it flopping down. It looks fucking funny <laughs> as shit. Yeah. And then we get a big old explanation of the events up to this point. Talks about the Necronomicon. Finally, Nate calls that by name. Mm-hmm. I think they started that in two. Did they start that in two? I forget. I believe so. Yeah. It, it doesn't it have a name in one because they wanted it to just be called the Book of the Dead because that was the original title for one. But in two, they were calling it the Necronomicon. Yeah. Oh, okay. I want to point out here, we have Bridget Fonda playing uh, Linda 3, yeah. our third Linda. Uh, third Linda. <laughs> we're on our third Linda. Uh, all of them dead. Rest in peace, Linda 1, Linda 2, and Linda 3. Um, She's alive. Uh, no. The character, no. Yes. What do you mean? Linda, Linda 3's alive. Where? When he goes back at the end. That's different girl, Josby. I thought that was Linda. No, no, Linda still dies. Oh, like, okay. it's just a retelling of the events. It's, it's, they're all the same Linda. Oh, I'm just okay. joking. Like, it's just because they're all played by a different person. <laughs> like, okay. the Linda in Evil Dead 1, and then Evil Dead 2, and then in this, are all different. Right. Uh, it's weird that this one is Bridget Fonda, though, because that's yeah. easily the most famous of the three as far as actresses go, but the one with the least screen time. Uh, just a little cameo. I think she's even uncredited. Uh, but it is Bridget Fonda. Uh, I don't know who she owed a favor. But <laughs> anyway. Uh, Starts off exactly where Evil Dead 2 left off. He crashes down. There is a slight difference, though. Um, yeah, it no changes the continuity up here. Yeah, there's no Deadite for him to shoot. So uh, they remain suspicious. Right away, He's not worshipped of... right away. Yeah. Right. And so, like, pretty immediately, um, you get the idea of uh, how the comedy is going to work in this movie. Because Ash looks over, and there's um, a, bunch, a bunch, of, uh, bunch of soldiers with their, uh, with their swords just flashing at his car. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, That's an impressive suit of armor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. It's great shit. Immediately, we get uh, the, the person who's the captain of this of this uh, group pulls up on Ash, Lord uh, Arthur, yes. played by Marcus Gilbert, and uh, got him juxtaposed against all these people. He looks so fucking funny, biggest fish <laughs> out of water shit ever. It's great. Calls for his wise man, who hops on. Yes, this character is only known as the wise man. By the way. Uh, he is played by Ian Abercrombie, who I would like to point out. Uh, <laughs> he played Elaine's boss, Justin Pitt, 
during Seinfeld season six. But maybe more importantly, he was the voice of Palpatine in the Clone Wars show uh, until he was unfortunately uh, he passed away in 2012 and he was recast for the rest of that because they still had to use Palpatine a lot. But uh, a lot of the early Clone Wars stuff, you'll be hearing this guy. And uh, he's all right. He fulfills the role of elderly wizard man pretty well. Yeah, I'd say so. As you as you have to have in, you know, your medieval flick. (laughs) He's immediately so I think it's like, I think this might be the uh, person of legend. We're supposed to save us from the deadites. Norfolk's mm-hmm. like, nah, fuck that. To the pit with him. <laughs> but he gets he is rounded up by uh, along with a bunch of uh, soldiers from the enemy army that they were fighting. Yes, and uh, Ash, uh, I think, eventually meets their leader, Duke yes. Henry the Red. Yeah, played by Richard Grove. Not a lot of casts in this movie, but I'll bring him up. Yeah. Mostly of the Bruce Campbell show, and you know what? That's fine. And the, the wise man pick up. Ash dro- drops his chainsaw, and the wise man picks it up, flex it like he Ash cuts. Mm-hmm. Flex it Sam Raimi, boy, he has a style. Yeah. Yep. Now they're all getting led to the castle, whipped along the way. This looks yep. like fun. Nah. Uh, so they start pelting rocks at Ash. Yeah. Okay. And you would assume the rocks being pelted at Ash are fake. They pelt real rocks at him. And you would be right that they are (laughs) fake. However, Sam Raimi threw potatoes as well. Uh, (laughs) And uh, like, I I guess just a fuck with Bruce Campbell because Sam Raimi was a right asshole to him throughout the entire shoot. Uh, <laughs> this this is the cut used in the film, by the way. Bruce Campbell is getting pelted with a potato, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Probably to Sam Raimi, <laughs> but it's the <laughs> cut they used in the movie. Oh, I forgot the craziest shit. I I needed to talk about this earlier. I'll just talk about it now because we got to talk about this. Okay. So there's this shot at the beginning, and it was it happened in Evil Dead Two. They have a crane set up to drop Ash's 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88 out of the sky to simulate it being ported into the past, right? Already shot for Evil Dead 2, but the crew wanted a better version of it for this film, so they're going to do it again. They have a 25-ton crane. This thing has mechanical problems, and it uh, falls off the fucking cliff at the quarry (laughs) where this scene is being filmed. Okay. Uh, the crane operator was in there and he was able to jump out of the cab before the crane tumbled to its fucking doom. Uh, so several days later, they tried it again. They got an 80 ton crane and it was able to finish this car drop scene, dropped the car, demolished it. And then the 80 ton crane went and removed the demolished 25 ton crane from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I wonder why this film went a little over budget, but, but anyway, you continue. New car. Yeah. 
So as they get guided in the castle, we get introduced to our uh, our lead actress of the film, Sheila. Yeah, M. Beth Davids as Sheila, Ash's uh, sort of love interest, I, I guess. I guess right now, not really, because uh, she's like thinks he's part of Henry the Red's men, and I guess they killed her brother. They don't yeah. go into this a whole lot, but yeah, they, they she's very really quickly mentioned. She asks Arthur about about her brother, and said that he. Died valiantly in battle. This doesn't necessarily mean he got killed by Henry the Red's men or not. Could have got killed by deadites. I don't have a whole sense of this conflict throughout this movie. It doesn't matter ultimately, but like, I'm a little curious. Right. And so, yeah, so here you get, you get Ashton pulled up with stuff. He says, uh, he yells, you cretin, stop it, you bastard. I'm sure he yelled that as Sam Raimi as he threw a potato at him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> stop throwing potatoes at me. Fuck. <laughs> oh, you see, I see a basket of potatoes. <laughs> see? <laughs> <laughs> what a fucker. Oh, do you got to pull it up then? I thought you weren't able to. Yeah, I got it. Cool, cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's still. Holy shit. It was true. <laughs> oh my god. The internet doesn't lie. I knew it was true. But anyway. <laughs> but then but then Ash's abuse gets worse. A bunch of small children just pull up and start fucking beating the shit out of him. <laughs> they really just beat the shit out of Bruce Campbell in this movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, in every movie. But, you know, it seems to get worse and worse as it goes. And Sheila gets big angry. Runs up and starts pulling on on Ash's hair. Mm-hmm. Also, a foul thing. You're a murderer. Fully pulls on his hair a bunch. You get hair ripping. Try to pull out his hair. That's that's an excruciating sound effect. Oh, now they get taken up to the pit. Give a little speech about how they are going to be punished for their foul crime. Yeah. And they open the pit. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, the, <laughs> an actual fucking just gallons and gallons of blood just squirt out of this fucking thing. Yeah, when the first victim falls down yeah. there. It's, uh, it's, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, oh boy. Well, there's some evil dead stuff down there, all right. Mm-hmm. Because what know, else would make that much blood? Because it's a Sam Raimi movie, and you know, you know now it's a Sam Raimi movie with characters in it, other than like your main cabin people. Uh, Sam Raimi likes to have a lot of fun with extras. Yes, he films. does. And so, like here, you get one of those where you have an old lady and like, oh, the, the pit with those credits, and she fucking like zooms really close on her face, and she takes a bite out of a loaf of bread. <laughs> that shot's incredible. <laughs> I could love it so much. Uh, it's it's like an out of body experience sometimes watching Spider Man two and just seeing all the people who like you kind of recognize show up. Yeah, is that is that that guy from Chappelle's show saying <laughs> that he stole that guy's pizza? What the fuck? He stole that, that guy's Joel pizza. Ma- is that Joel McHale as the bank teller who's in it for thirty seconds? What the fuck's going on? The one guy going like, "You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us." That's in the first one, but yeah, yeah. I love that man. Um, so the second one has the dude from The Sopranos at, on, on the train at the end. Yeah, holy <laughs> shit! Go through, you want to get to him? You gotta go through me. 
there's so many it's like there's so fucking many he loves doing that shit it's fun i don't believe not him. to even mention bruce campbell in all of those movies in a role that gets more screen time each movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why everybody was excited for the potential of spider-man 4 because people were assuming that they were going to do mysterio for the villain and a lot of people were guessing they were just going to straight up have bruce campbell be a character oh my and have God. him be bruce and have him be mysterio oh that would have been so sick would have been perfect honestly um just have him lean real hard into like being like a failed actor kind of man failed special effects guy yeah. <laughs> and like he could have nailed that shit it would have been great but alas we had to get um the amazing spider-man what a better set of movies uh, as i say sarc- sarcastically as fuck mm, bad movie anyway good movie out of the out of the shock from this blood pouring out of the pit here, um, one of the one of the prisoners tries to take off, and then uh, somebody just hands Arthur a crossbow and he just shoots this dude right in the back. <laughs> yeah, Goes good little, shot by the way. Yeah, great POV arrow, of the yeah, POV arrow. Of the, yeah, there, there's a, quite a few of those in this movie, like POV shots with like, weapons and stuff. Hmm. <laughs> and now it's Ash's turn to get knocked at the pit. And he won't go. Yeah. He's like, like, hey, I don't even know this guy. What's what's happening? I don't want to go. <laughs> Henry, tell him you don't know me. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I don't think he'll believe you, bud. He's right, but yeah. If he All just right. takes the one guy's sword and pushes it away, the guy just takes it. <laughs> yeah. And then Sheila is tired of this shit, so she walks up and fucking hits him and makes him disoriented. He stumbles into the pit. It looks like a bog at the bottom of this shit. Yep. And up from the water rises our first deadite from this film. Yeah. And the deadites look great. Um, there's only a couple of them in this movie, but uh, they look great. They really perfected that shit over the course of three movies. Yeah, it's great. Um, she's like an incredibly athletic doing flips and shit, beating the hell out of him. This is a good fight scene, basically. That's a lot of fun. Um, Eventually, then, Wise Man throws the chainsaw down. Yeah, eventually he gets assisted by the Wise Man, throws the chainsaw down, as they are uh, pushing in spikes towards him. Right. And then you get this fucking, like, over-dramatic scene where Ash jumps up and connects his hand. It's <laughs> this fucking stump into the chainsaw and comes back down. He jumps, like, ten feet in the fucking air. Yeah, fuck it. He's an action hero now. NBA star Ash Williams. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? Going for the rebound. And then he, now he's got his chainsaw, and now it's, it's time for the fun shit. Did I jumps up him and he just saws her head off with it. Boom. But hey, guess what? There's another one down. <laughs> yep. He's trying to uh, try to escape and then you know another one. This shows one's up. even crazier looking, yeah. It just pops out of the wall. I love the fucking the mask on this one. Yeah, oh, the I love the design fucking... of this one. Uh the crew nicknamed this deadite the uh the pit bitch. And 
it's appropriate uh i love the look of it i think originally there wasn't supposed to be two down there but then they made this costume and like Raimi was like holy fucking shit let's put it in <laughs> screw it it'll be great there's two of them down there you won't ever expect it <laughs> and there you go great i'm glad he did mm-hmm. that ash fucking uses his belt and attaches it to the rotating chain try to get up out of there and the sure. daddy grabs him he kicks it off and makes it up and uh so this is clearly the first time that this has ever happened for these people. Well, yeah. Because they are shocked. No one's climbed out of the pit. They are all shocked. They're used, to, they're used to just, you know, this is Sparta-ing people into the Deadite pit. Yeah. But so no. Now they're all fucking scared away. Nash is pissed. He's like, who wants some? Who wants some more? <laughs> and finally- yeah, now they're super intimidated by him because Came out of the pit, yeah. <laughs> so I guess now they believe he's the guy of legend. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Hey, fuck, we get a great joke here, by the way, where he stands in front of Arthur, looks at him and says, Hey, your shoe's untied. <laughs> I want to rewind everybody that this is in the 1300s. Yeah, because he, he looks at his shoe, he looks down. He looks out at his shoe. What the fuck? Dude, <laughs> you don't even know what shoes are. I mean, like, he has boots on, I guess. But those aren't tied. <laughs> Did they call them shoes? Did they call them shoes yet? Oh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. So fucking funny. Entirely just an out-of-context joke. Yes. <sighs> so I think, like, a deadite, like, comes out. Like the the bitch comes back out of the thing. Yeah, he's just able to shoot it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where he gets his boomstick from. I I think I guess he just always had it, even though he clearly doesn't when he's fighting right the things in the pit. But whatever, who cares? Uh, he has his boomstick, and it's time for him to tell everybody about it in one of the best scenes of the movie. Yes. <laughs> he goes into massive detail about what it is. The 12-gauge Remington S-Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. And they're all like, yes. what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I got some of the subtitles now, pulled this, up. It's so funny. Does this imply that this gun always belongs to Ash? Because that's not necessarily the case. From what we know from the other two movies. What I'm going to guess is that in this world, S-Smart is like Walmart. And yeah, he, probably okay. re- he probably noticed that it came from S-Smart. He recognized the gun, I guess. Okay. Hey and this thing retails for one hundred nine ninety five, and it's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue <laughs> steel, and a hair trigger. <laughs> These so people good. have no idea what the fuck he's saying, and they are look flabbergasted by him. Right, but he's like a god. You know, he's able to kill the fucking deadites. <laughs> so <laughs> like, now he's yeah, like now he's like worshipped and fed grapes by right. women. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the entire ready just like that's right, shop S smart or shop smart, shop S smart. You got that? Yes. And they all back up, they're like, Yes sir, yes sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he decrees uh letting Henry the Red go and the other guys. And they're kind of like, all right, later, and they run away. <laughs> That'll come into play later. I'm glad that it did. I'm glad it wasn't just a dropped plot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah but now he's being worshipped. 
He's being fed grapes. Women are coming by, giving him wine, fanning him off. <laughs> he's being a huge asshole, but it's great because this is probably like the first moment of respite he's had in like, uh, you know, he went through the first two Evil Dead movies. So I'm going to cut him some slack here. Because, <laughs> like, what, three days, four days? Yeah, who knows? Time doesn't work necessarily the same with that shit. They were fucking with time, clearly. Uh, right. But the, the um, Sheila comes up to him and is like, I want to apologize. And, Didn't you, like, fucking shove me in the pit? Below. Because <laughs> <laughs> you fucking... wanted to kill me, now you want to kiss me? Blow. And he yeah, fucking spits he's... out a bit of a grape. <laughs> He's really rotten to her in these couple scenes here, which is quite funny, actually. Because he's such a rude asshole. <laughs> yeah, well, she's a piece of shit to him. He's retaliating, dude. Yeah, he's just going the full full way with it. Yep, and then the wise man walks in and tells him, you gotta go get the Necronomicon in order for us to send you hope. Yeah. And he's like, fuck suddenly interrupted by some water splashing. Old lady in the background. There's her head. It's, Just, it's another deadite. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you'll never get the next and we'll swallow your soul and all that. And then just ashes. Like she, an iconic screaming, you shall die. Right. Love that shit. She's like fucking contorting around. It looks so fucking awesome. <laughs> The same as first dead eye, he just kills her. We're good. It's really well, I, I love. There's a callback. Uh, it's like she like she falls over and pretends to be dead, and you know, one of the guys walks up to her. They tries to put his arm on her. And Ash just goes up to the guy's like, "No, she, she's not actually dead. Get an axe," which is fucking great, by the way. Yes. Yeah. That that's, that makes her get back up and I like fight them some more. I think. Yeah. They go at it. Fucking... It, it. I like the little moments of continuity where, like, clearly he learned from the other new movies. Yeah. I love the way he kills her. He turns his back to her and puts the shotgun on his shoulder and just shoots her <laughs> without looking. He's like, he's it's like, so extra. It's like a fuck yeah shake shit. He's like, oh yeah. Do you know that? <laughs> he's, he's turned into a full action hero brute man, and I love it. There's a reason why Duke Nukem. Uh, just says half of the quotes from this movie as half of his lines. Right. This is the perfect action movie, man. Hail to the king, baby. And like, well, I guess we need to go get this book. So it's time to gear up. We get another fast cut Raimi gear up scene. Oh, it's good. This real good. Yeah, this time they're putting they're putting a steel hand on him. Yeah. And he says groovy again. It's a great callback to Evil Dead 2 and that scene with the chainsaw. Uh, not nearly as good, but I like it as a callback. I like that it takes place in a medieval blacksmith this time instead of a shed. Something like he takes the arm and he crushes a wine glass, but then everybody gets scared. <laughs> yeah. Why does it like have robotic power? <laughs> it's just steel. It it makes like a, a noise. Like there's a sound effect that makes it like feel like it's a robotic arm. Either way, it doesn't get utilized in that way throughout the rest of the movie. But it's fun. I love the look of it. Um 
I think uh, before he heads out, yes. he begins a relationship with Sheila. I yeah, guess he pops in over time, and like immediately as soon as she opens the door, he's like, "Like shut the door! Were you raising a barn?" Like, yeah, you probably were. <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, he kisses her. He goes yeah. to leave. Guess he guess guess they they got a relationship now, even though he just treated her like shit. <laughs> yeah, I, she gave him like a uh like some kind of oh she gave him like the clothes that he's gonna wear here yeah and he said oh yeah this will go great on the back of my horse or something like an asshole (laughs) but yeah obviously he just does the give me some sugar baby or whatever and uh makes out with this medieval woman who he doesn't know i would like to stress that his girlfriend died not long ago uh, he's, hey. a, he's a different. He's different than that man. Oh he's yeah, the, it's he's a different changed. person at this point. <laughs> my my head canon is that Ash Williams is until he goes to that cabin a cowardly man. Yeah, who is normal. Uh, but his experience in Evil Dead One and Evil Dead Two completely changes him into a completely different character. And he only becomes action hero man because now he is a psychopath. That is Correct. my head cannon. Correct. <laughs> like you could tell that. Like maybe there's some elements uh, that would have always been how this man is, but I think that's the way to explain the discrepancy. He's a psycho now. Like he's yeah. lost his mind. Yeah, that's cool by me. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, the, so they get close, and then, uh, they're going to leave him here. They go get the book. Go into a, to a forbidden forest. Yeah. Wiseman tells him, uh, before you pick up the book, you have to say these words. Yes. Latu, barata, nikto. Mm-hmm. have to say these words exactly. Runs through with them again, tells him he has to memorize this. And yeah, like, yeah whatever, like, I got blah, it. Blah, blah, I got it. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, the words he's supposed to say here are... Uh, a reference to words that are used in the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still from the 50s. And uh, that's kind of cool. I think it was used to uh, halt a robot in that movie. Oh. <laughs> so it's a little different. But uh, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. It, it, it's supposed to be very good. Classic. Yeah. But um, yeah, for whatever reason, Raimi wanted to reference that. And then I think more as a reference to this. I've heard Kalatu Barata Nikto throughout pop culture, like all the time. Yeah. Uh, it just always gets brought up as magic words as a reference isn't, to this. Isn't it reference to Destroy All Humans? Uh, yes. It is in Destroy All Humans. I think uh, if you read the minds of uh, some of the men in black, they say it. Yeah. Uh, Mysterio says it in the Spider-Man 2 game. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Which, like, that's even that even that's even crazier because Bruce Campbell has a huge role in that game as the like narrator hint man. Which is, <laughs> by the way, beautiful. Oh, that's just he great. Just, he just taunts you the whole time. I love it. The hints are great. Um, you know, the best part about it, and I did this when I was uh young, and that game came out. Uh, one of the hints in the game, there's big green markers in Spider-Man 2. 
and you you hit it and Bruce Campbell will either tell you something about the controls in the game or just nothing. A lot of them are nothing. And one of them, Bruce Campbell says, you know, if you get all 300 of these hint markers, all of them will say something different. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And uh, if you do that Mm -hmm. and you go to another hint marker, it's just a voice clip of Bruce Campbell saying something different. <laughs> and, and he like recorded like five or six different ones. So like, it was like something different. Something different. Something different. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's so great. Good. Oh, my God. It's, the, it's this fucking stupidest shit in the world. So anyway, Ash rides on into these forbidden woods. And uh oh. The, the the evils here. Remember the mm-hmm. evil? Remember the track the, the first person crazy Sam Raimi's running with a camera evil? Time for of that again. Of course I do. But I wanna bring up. I didn't the first time I saw this, I remember asking my mom what is chasing him. And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like this is only a bit that works if you saw the previous Evil Dead movie. And yeah. kind of understand that it's just literally the force of evil. Uh, so Ash was running away from it because he didn't want to get caught in that shit. Like it'll turn him into a deadite. Uh, so that's interesting that uh, they didn't really have an explanation for this bit, you know, because usually they focus a lot on the backstory. There was definitely, you know, a lot of it front loaded in this movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this bit kind of only works as you got to know the other ones. Which is fine. Yep. I think this is my favorite of those sequences too. Yeah. Of the first, the POV of evil. It's it's elongated and it's like a lot more going on with it. Ash is like fucking jumping over stuff. He's falling over. The evil's like going through trees and splitting them. Good sound effects too. Mm-hmm. Super yeah. cool. So the Ash bars himself in a windmill. Mm-hmm. At the bottom of a windmill, and we get begin, time for I some love, dumb shit. Yeah, yeah. I love the shots when the thing's bashing against the door. Yeah, that's it's just good it's shit. just uh, it's just really like zooming in super close and shaking the fuck out of the camera, but it gets the effect down super well. Yeah, it's a very practical, low budget way to have some big impact moments. Yep, and then that, that plus really good, really good added sound, fucking makes that shit mm. land. Really, really good film tactic. Yes. Now it's for some crazy shit. Yeah, uh, so he does the... Never saw ooh. himself in the mirror in Evil Dead 2. He does that again, and he gets fucking pissed about it. Rams the mirror. Again, a reference that you would need to watch Evil Dead 2 to understand. But right. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad that he learned to, to don't leave the mirror intact, because... Uh, but then it just results in a worse problem. Uh, because tons of little ashes come out of the shattered mirror, <laughs> all the shattered pieces. <laughs> this and this shit is crazy. Um, the effects are pretty good. Yeah, they uh, they look a lot day. more they look a lot more convincing uh, when you're not watching a Blu-ray. Actually, in fact, right. I have this I have this up streaming. So, like, curious here, I'm gonna look real quick because I watched it earlier on the Blu-ray. And uh, it did look infinitely worse. Like the part where, like, 
They, they, they like fuck with them and they're doing a bunch of shit. Um, one of my favorite parts mm-hmm. of this whole thing is they stab him with like this little like trident fork thing. And then Nash yeah. is like, you little, he fucking grabs it and he throws it at one of the little guys and it impales him. Yes. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's going to be some stuff that doesn't look great because, of course, the era. Yeah, I'm just curious of how different it looks on streaming compared to Blu-ray. Uh, Probably not much. I think I'm, I'm, I'm checking it out. I love he he goes to step on one of them, and he's he starts thinking London Bridge is falling down. He's like fucking pissed. Yeah. And the little the little guy just holds up a nail and makes him step on it. Yeah. Bunch of shenanigans going on. Yeah. Eventually they knock him out and they just tie him up. Gulliver's Travels. Yep, it's Gulliver's Travels time. Let's see when they're holding up in his mouth. It looks a little better on streaming, yeah. but it's still, like, terrible. There's Funny. some cra- Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so whack and crazy looking, the whole movie, that most of the effects are, like, kind of just blend into the whole aesthetic of the movie. So I don't mind as much. It's not as off. It's not as, like, obvious as Evil Dead 1 or 2. Yeah. As a result. Not that any of it matters. I appreciate all of these effects a great deal. Yeah. They're so fun and so good. Same crew on this one. They did a fantastic job. 100%. And, uh... So, at, so they hold his mouth open, and, and a little ash jumps in, down his throat. Yeah. And he's trying to gag himself Lovely. to get it out, but it's not happening. And then he looks over, and he sees a boiling pot of water. And he just <laughs> straight up drinks that shit. Ugh. Have us some hot chocolate, huh? This is the more things that are supporting the theory that he has absolutely lost his fucking mind. Right. He is burning his mouth. He's only getting second degree burns in his mouth and throat and stomach. <laughs> hey, this is the same dude that cut off his hand, man. Yeah, he just had to do fuck. it. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't seem to work because it's bumping around in his body. And then he, like, sees an eyeball growing on his shoulder. Yeah, it's fucking uh, creepy. Spots spurts out a head. This shot of him, like, waving around like a lunatic with the other, like, him sprouting out of him in the outside with the moon shining is fucking great. It's fantastic. Love that shit. And it, it sprouts out a whole other ash. Complete and whole. If they do some, some three stooges shit on each other while they're still attached, they're like poking each other in the eye and shit. Pokes evil ash in the eye, and he's just like, oh, he's like very sarcastic. He's like, oh, I'm blind! I'm blind! <laughs> it, it's fucking great. Evil ash is even more of a sarcastic dickhead. Yes. It's good ash, and I'm bad ash. So, obviously, this becomes a, a character later. Uh, that is kind of different, and Bruce Campbell plays him the whole time. So Campbell's kind of playing double duty here because he plays the villain of the movie. That's fun. Which is fun as hell. Yeah. But eventually, he dispatches Bad Ash and is able to cut him into a million pieces and uh, bury him. Fuck it. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite jokes of the movie: the part where he buries him. Yeah, he says, what's that on your face? And throws dirt on his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love it. Uh, and just, uh, you know, all right. 
continue onward, I guess. Get yep. back on the horse, which didn't run away and all that somehow. Somehow. Yeah. So he makes it to a stand that has uh, the Necronomicon on it, except uh, there's there's three of them. By the way, great music in this movie. Yeah. Better than the other two, for sure. I love the score in this movie. Um, the score for all three was done by Joseph Loduca. Uh, however, I do want to point out, Danny Elfman wrote the March of the Dead theme for this movie. Oh. And that was that's because he uh, worked with Sam Raimi on Darkman. And Elfman would, would later work on with Raimi on Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, uh, making some good scores for those movies. But uh, God, I love the music in this movie. It works so well. It's epic and great. Yeah, it is truly wonderful. So now he's presented with a trial where he has three different Necronomicons. He has to pick the right one. This is Ash Williams we're talking about, so he's not going to pick the right one. Nah, he picks the wrong two before picking the right one, for sure. Uh, The first one uh, is like a portal that sucks him in like a wormhole yeah. into the book and he he does get sucked in but then he's able to crawl his way back out of it but then when he does his face is elongated and weird super yeah. weird shit reminded like, me of like uh like some stuff from fucking beetlejuice i know that came i mean it was around the same time <laughs> where they like stretch their faces to try to scare the family and shit some weird effects he like shakes around and it goes. They did fast motion quick and like shakes himself back to normal. Yeah, that that's how that works. It's, it's it's at this point that you may have noticed this movie is a bit of a cartoon at this point. It's uh, it's, it's not yeah. quite not quite a horror film. None of this is necessarily scary. It's just fucking fun. <laughs> hey, that's all that matters. Yes. Second book. Second book bites Bite his him. hand. Yeah, and it can fly yeah. around and it makes a bunch of weird noises. Mm-hmm. But Fucking it, great. It go back down and he's like, get back to you. He never does, but... <laughs> In process of elimination, the last one's the Necronomicon. Uh, uh, he immediately forgets the words he's supposed to say. <laughs> Yeah, he remembers the first two, Klaatu yep. Barata, but then uh, Necktie? Wait, what is it? <laughs> I'm sure it was an N-word. Don't ask PewDiePie what the word was. Yeah. He's <laughs> on a bridge. <laughs> oh, no. So, he forgets, and he tries to just, like, go, Klaatu Barata? <laughs> and, <laughs> which is fantastic. Uh, and then he picks it up, and obviously some bad shit starts happening. Some skeletons start coming out of the ground, and uh, they three stooge the fuck out of him. Yeah. They literally poke him in the eye, and uh, he fucking does the the you know preventative measure that Curly would employ, putting his uh, hand in between his eyes to stop the poke from going through. All that kind of shit happens. It's it's great. Um, love the stuff with skeletons in this movie and there's about to be a whole lot more of it. Yeah. Storm shit's getting struck by lightning. Yeah. Not looking good. No. 
He's he's awakened the damned. Oops. Shouldn't have did that. Now he's gonna have to uh well first. Mm-hmm. I live. So his personality has kind of changed now for some reason. But whatever, it's fine. He's still bad Ash, I guess. And he is, I guess, going to lead this, you know, the titular army of darkness, I suppose. The skeletons. An actual army, and he's going to lead them to our, our little castle encampment here, where Ash goes back to. And, uh, with the book. But, obviously, they're like, something had to go wrong. Like the wise man knows. And everybody is pissed at Ash when they realize that he didn't say the fucking words when he grabbed the book. And uh, they also, when they also, they realize that he is, uh, doesn't care about them at all and just wants to go back to his own time. Now, to be fair, these people were pelting potatoes at him like the previous day. <laughs> Although Ash, you know, still being an a-hole here, but still, because the forces of darkness are about to descend on them. Yep, uh, a dead egg, a flying dead egg comes down and picks Sheila up. Hmm. Uh, uh oh. And uh, I guess this kind of half-ass inspires Ash to uh, not be, uh, you know, I'm done running or whatever, and. Uh, kind of inspire the rest of the, the little town, the little encampment, to stand their ground and fight the Deadites. Yep. Now, uh, let's talk about uncomfortable scene real quick, I guess. Because <laughs> the fucking, the, the, the flying Deadite thing brings Sheila back to Ash, but the bad one who is uh, pretty gross looking. And, uh, all these skeletons are raised from the dead and all that's funny fun as fuck. and cool. Um, but you know what's not fun and cool? Uh, rape. Figure he would have learned. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess it had to be after this movie that he regretted the tree because uh, I don't know. Never heard him say anything about this. I don't know. Uh, it's. It doesn't get talked about as much as the tree, which, understandably, the tree is a much more horrifying scene. Um, but, you know, yeah, your, your, your female lead is casually assaulted and turned into a deadite, too, uh, by evil Ash here. And also, there's, like, a brief shot that, like, I completely forgot where there was, like, other skeletons and they were, like, whipping topless women. Oh. In the foreground? I didn't even notice it. You didn't? Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Uh, so, like, the, the other, like, you know, Evil Ash isn't the only one with a, with a sex slave. I guess it's the skeletons as well. It's all very uncomfortable. But it's only for a brief time, and I think it's the only sour spot in this entire movie for me. Uh, it just doesn't sit well. <laughs> <laughs> with me, but uh, you know, the rest of it's pretty fun and great after this. 
So yeah, time for Ash to rally the town to defend themselves from the army of darkness. Yep, tells me through running. We have to fight it out. So um, have a little montage here, preparing for the fight. You know, some classic shit. You know, of course, stuff you'd expect. Ash teaching them a little move to fight skeletons with. Uh, working on some making bullets or making gunpowder, I should say. Uh, cause I guess Ash had a chemistry book in his trunk. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> um, Fuck, I love that shit. And I think they, they turned the DeSoto into a fucking machine. Ooh, yeah. Of war. <laughs> and, uh, they're, they're basically pretty well prepared for the fight. Um, Great, great music. The Danny Elfman theme plays here, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Ready to get ready for the final battle. Ashes lead. I'm showing them how to use spear. How you learned how to use <laughs> Hey, whatever. Gotta have all these scenes. <laughs> Teaching the common folk how to fight like a real man. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned all this. They make the cool car. He teaches them. I don't know what else there is. That's funny bit where they're making the gunpowder and the uh, the wise man is about to put it in, into flame and Ash is like, no, don't do that. <laughs> so they have explosive arrows, which is uh, going to end up being very successful. Yeah, deal. <laughs> like, because uh, man, as as the army approaches, Ash has them draw and that stuff gets lit. Yeah, by the by the torch boy. <laughs> as the skeletons are marching, marching up. By the way, one of my favorite things is they're they're playing instruments. One of them is playing like a bone flute. One of them is playing like, a femur. Yeah. <laughs> one of them's got drums in front of them that are all just skulls. It's so good. It's so stupid. Great shit. Love every second of it. Yeah. Now we get our super long fighting segment. Yeah, this is the majority of the movie, I guess. Um. Or at least forty minutes of it, or so, and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's great. I love it. Um, casually wondering something What's that that kind of dawned on me as I was watching it. Uh, it was reminding me of something, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. This whole sequence of uh, our heroic characters fighting dead things in a castle siege and I realized what it was reminding me of and it was that episode in the final season of Game of Thrones oh yeah where the white walkers come and the army of the dead approaches and I'm like huh Game of Thrones really just dead ass had an episode in the final season that was like attempting to be a more serious army of darkness right (laughs) It's literally an army of the dead. And there's even a similar progression to it where they're super outnumbered and they only are able to get a, get a, get away with the win by, uh, you know, the leader. Yes. I think there's even moments where other people join the fight gallantly and it's like, Hey, it's like a little triumphant moment. Uh, just like in this, 
Yeah, like it's it's very strange to me. Um, I'd prefer to go back to not thinking about Game of Thrones, but it just it just felt weird to me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's hard. To- this is way better, to be honest. Infinitely. Um, it's it's uh, it's good, dumb fun. This yeah. whole sequence is fantastic. Yep, the Lascelles break into the castle. You can see them all being like stop motions and stuff. You get some shaky cam while they're battling. Really, yeah. really well shot, well done. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we got here. Lots of fighting, lots of choreography. Uh, Bruce Campbell already had a tough time probably filming this movie because Sam Raimi was throwing potatoes at him, right, <laughs> and other things. But um, so he had to learn tons and tons and tons. Not just in this big scene, but throughout the whole movie of complicated fight choreography. And often because of the way that they were shooting this, it was often against enemies who were not there while shooting. Okay. so Campbell used a numbering system to keep track of his visible and invisible opponents. But Raimi made this difficult on him on purpose. As visual effects supervisor William Mesa recalls, quote, Bruce was cussing and swearing some of the time because you had to work on the number system. Sam would tell us to make it as complicated and hard for Bruce as possible. Make him go through torture. So we'd come up with these shots that were really, really difficult. And sometimes they would take 37 takes. So, um... I don't know. I, I swear to God, I'm pretty sure Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are friends. But yep. <laughs> seemingly Sam Raimi loves nothing better than to torture the man and force him to do crazy shit for art. Yeah. <laughs> but, they go uh, through. Hey, worked out in a great, great movie here. So that's your go for the Necronomicon. We finally run into like our final battle here. Between Ash and Ash. Uh, uh, Ash, yes. Really long battle segment. They're going back and forth, and eventually gets the gets the crystal, but it can't activate in sunlight. She can't activate it. Yes. Oh, also, I forgot to mention. Um, see the car rig here. Yeah, that's um, this fucking crazy tank car. Yeah, that he made chariot thing. The, the yeah. Sheila fucks that up by uh, stepping in front of him, you know, doing the deadite trick where she transforms yes. back into a regular form, but he falls out of it. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't want to run over Sheila, right? And you know, she fights him a lot too in this whole segment. Yeah, he's he's yeah, able she... to knock her off the yeah, he castle. Stabs her in the stomach and throws her off the castle. Which doesn't kill her, and reverts her back to normal after this battle's done, for some reason. Yeah, but hey, knows. whatever. <laughs> but yeah, the big fight against Evil Ash here is, is the key focus. Again. Yeah, this uh, is a obviously, lot eventually, when it seems like the day will be lost, Henry the Red comes to help them. Uh, which is great. Ties everything together real well. Uh, these two warring factions are able to put aside their differences to fight a common enemy. Yep. All thanks to Bruce Campbell. What a man. (laughs) 
So uh, he takes care of Ash takes care of business here in a really funny way that I love. Yes. Ash gets knocked down off of uh, off the top of the castle and looks beside him, and there's a wick burning. Oh, it looks like like explosives. Mm-hmm. Lots of gunpowder. Evil Ash, Necronomicon in hand, jumps down to to jumps down right on top of it of a trebuchet that it's attached to. And uh, Ash sends him on a journey. Cuts his arm off, <laughs> takes the Necronomicon and launches him into the sky and he blows that's up. One, that's one way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Take him on a little journey through the sky. And he blows the fuck up. Boom. The day has been saved. Yep. They finally get ready to send Ash home after after day is broken, and they tell him, "Yeah, tell about a wise man again. You need to say the words correctly." <laughs> right. So you got some like good little wrap up moments here. He has a final kiss with Sheila and Arthur and uh, Henry the Red, kind of like hug and like rejoice when they were you know initially trying to kill each other at the beginning of the movie. And, uh, time for Ash to go home. Yeah. And, uh, I guess the way this is gonna work is he's gonna drink a thing and then read the words and it'll transport him. Yes. Like, like I don't know if it's, it's, I think it's something like he'll sleep and then wake up and it's the time. But I don't know if that means his body is present throughout the entire uh, like centuries of time there i I don't they don't explain it because they just cut away from it which is convenient yeah whatever (laughs) not okay yeah so it's not who care ash has returned to his job at smart yeah and it turns out the whole time he was telling this story to ted raimi (laughs) (laughs) i love it yes that's ted raimi ted raimi is in the movie like fucking four or five times um he's a he's a cowardly knight at the beginning he's a uh, supportive villager when ash is making his big big rah-rah speech and he's this s mark clerk at the end who ash is telling the entire story to oh he also voiced several skeletons because yeah. of course he did uh i hope he was the one that said i'll cut your gizzard out <laughs> that shit's fucking great love that the skeletons had like personality yeah, I love I love all the skeletons. They're all doing something stupid. I love skeletons as an image, <laughs> as a as a villain, as a as an enemy, as a everything. Really, I just love skeletons. They're fun. Hell yeah, they're just bones, man. Rattle, rattle those bones. Rattle me, rattle me, rattle me, rattle me, rattle me. So anyway, this ending is great. Yes. So yeah, Ash is back at Smart now. This ending is perfect. And then, oh, but Deadite shows up. Yeah, it's because he didn't say the word. Yeah, the other guy asked him, "Did you say the words correctly?" He's like, "Yeah, close enough. You know, I might have messed up a little. Yeah, it's fine. Might have not said every syllable." (laughs) Fucking can't believe he did it again. So like, um. In, initially, I watched the first episode of Ash vs. the Evil Dead, 
and I was uh, kind of uh, so the way that the evil begins again in that is Ash uh, while extremely high and trying to talk to and have sex with a girl uh, pulls out the Necronomicon and they look at it and read a passage from it and then he's like oh yeah and like initially when I watched that I was like really would Ash be that dumb and then I rewatched this movie and I was like yeah I guess so yeah, I guess he would be that dumb. <laughs> 100%. It's fine. It works really well. Yeah, we get a really fun action scene with him um, killing this deadite. He grabs a shotgun off the wall. He rides this like little table yeah. while shooting a gun a bunch. It's so cool. <laughs> Finally, it's cool, but it's like the cheesiest, stupidest way. Yeah, I love that it. it could be cool. Yeah. Yeah, then, then and finally, the iconic line at the end. Yep. Heal to the king, baby. And just kisses this random person he just met. And yep. that this is Ash Williams now. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the man he's become. Zit. He went from a loyal boyfriend to a womanizing prick. And all it took was, you know, seeing all his friends get murdered. Yeah. <laughs> Not a piggy. Nah. So, um, let's talk about this ending, though, because it was almost something different. Yeah. So, Raimi and the crew, you know, they had creative freedom during the shoot. But post-production was a bit of a different story. Uh, Universal hated the original ending. Now, the original ending saw, and I believe this is present on some DVDs and Blu-rays of the movie. Probably even look it up on YouTube. Ash oversleeps after taking the potion, I believe, as a direct result of him not saying the words fucking correctly. And he wakes up not in the past, not in the present, but in a post apocalyptic future. And I'm sure he's just like, no, what happened? No. And then it just like ends and it's really fucking (laughs) grim. And that could have been a potential sequel. Could have got, you know, post apocalyptic dead. But uh, Universal wanted something more upbeat, which I don't think is a bad studio note necessarily. No, uh, I get it. Because this movie is not as grim as the other two. Yeah. No, like, so no, Raimi and crew filmed the new ending in a hardware store in Malibu. <laughs> and uh, Raimi didn't end up minding in the end. Uh, the quote from him on this is, Quote, actually, I kind of like the fact that there are two endings, that in one alternate universe, Bruce is screwed, and in another universe, he's some cheesy hero. And I like the cheesy hero idea. It's the complete transformation yeah. of his character that really works for me. <laughs> it's the natural it's the natural con- conclusion of his like complete personality. His arc, if you will, yeah. if you can call it that, it's a little disjointed because of the multiple movies it takes place in that are all extremely different from one another. But I think it still generally works. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know if you can necessarily have an edit of these three movies that works really well because you're gonna have to cut stuff out and some stuff's not gonna make sense. But for the most part, I like that they all kind of flow into each other, kind of. Obviously, with a couple little asterisks to that, <laughs> but uh, for the most part, it's like Evil Dead One happens, then Evil Dead Two happens, and then immediately dark. And I I dig that so much. So so 
Yeah. How did how did it do? It did good. Uh, I got some weird things. Oh. That happened here. Not really, I guess. Uh, so Universal also delayed this film's release by like a year. Uh, and this is because Dino De Laurentiis and Universal were involved in a rights dispute over a character you might have heard of named uh, Hannibal Lecter. Mm. You see, uh, Dino De Laurentiis, I think, was purporting or like, you know, saying that he owned Hannibal Lecter because I believe he made. um, uh, ah, Shit, forget the name of it. They made this one twice because because there's a uh, there's a Hannibal Lecter movie that came out before Silence of the Lambs without Anthony Hopkins in it. That like yeah. was, you know, somewhat well liked. Uh, I think Manhunter something hunter something like that. Yeah. And uh, that got remade into something else down the line with, you know, Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. But then Silence of the Lambs came out. And Universal's wanting to make a sequel to that because, you know, big movie, you know, came out in like 91. So that's around when they were arguing about this. And eventually this issue was resolved, but Universal was super petty about it because they were like, oh, so you're going to be. You know, arguing with us over the rights to Hannibal Lecter, Uh, Army of Darkness getting delayed. And that's like super petty and shitty. So it was supposed to come out in summer of 1992 didn't come out till February of 1993. And I think that hurt the box office for this movie. Cause like, I mean, granted it's rated R and that would have hurt it too. You know, I know universal wanted PG 13, which I think it could easily get now if you cut out a couple things and yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. There's uh, a couple moments. I think tastes have changed enough that like, this is kind of like a pretty tame R rated movie. Um, yeah, the original cut, under. Yeah, the original cut got an NC-17, though, and then further cuts only resulted in an R still. So they did release it as an R despite wanting a PG-13. But either way, like all these things kind of contributed to the movie kind of getting fucked. Um, It was a modest success. It grossed $21.5 million against an $11 million budget. But I'm sure they were probably expecting more because there was so much more effort put into this one than maybe even the other two. Maybe less hardship than something like Evil Dead 1 where everything went wrong all the time, but still this was a massive undertaking and unfortunately it, you know, maybe doubled the budget, but that doesn't account for advertising, so eh. it wasn't a huge hit with critics either it, it's, it's one of the least, the lesser ones in terms of this uh, 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't terrible. It's just not like, you know, the other two, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, got like 90s. But I think, weirdly enough, that's because on Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of the Evil Dead reviews are like retroactive. Oh. And Army of Darkness, not so much. Because certainly this movie developed a huge cult following, and you know, obviously all of them did, but like this one developed a cult following that's kind of different. Uh, There are people that are Army of Darkness fans that aren't necessarily big horror fans or Evil Dead fans. You know, this movie's focus on comedy and action rather than horror kind of resulted in having a different fan base. 
than the other two to a degree. I think most people can appreciate all of them, but like it does have a bit of a, a disconnect there, which is fine. I yeah. like that it's different. Me too. I think it's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say it's better than the other two. Yeah, let's rank it's, it. It's not let's by a lot. One. No, it's because it, it, they're it, all very, great. They're all these are all fantastic films. I just I enjoy how ridiculous this movie. Like I every do too. Level. Um, it this this movie this movie hits in every single moment except the one weird scene. Yeah. Every every other moment of this. Bruce Campbell was fucking excellent. He's the best. This God, is, this it's, is like it's a crime that he wasn't in more stuff after this. I don't know why. He really should have been. Yeah, I think so. Not that he's had an unsuccessful career or anything, but you know, he really has been. You know, it's like he's this guy, and he didn't get a whole lot of work other than stuff with Sam Raimi. He's in some things, I guess, but like as far as like major studio releases, this is the only one that he is the star of, and that's it. Leading man in a big Hollywood production once, because <laughs> the, the other because like, the other Evil Dead movies are very uh different. Yeah, you know, more indie. He's such a well revered like actor and like raise him all the time. Yeah, he's like have like that like big of a career. <laughs> No, I mean, I've seen him in other things besides these that I thought were fantastic. Yeah. I haven't seen Bubba Hotep in a long time, but I, I remember loving that insane movie. Uh, if you're not familiar with that one, Bruce Campbell plays Elvis in a nursing home. Yeah, it's fucking great. He's still alive. And uh, his, his friend is JFK, who is still alive and in a nursing home, but he's black. And uh, a mummy is there. A bayou mummy who um, sucks souls out of assholes. This is the plot to Bubba yep. Hotep. Love to see uh, it. <laughs> it's a fucking insane movie. And uh, somehow this results in a good movie. I don't know how it does it. I Ask thought me. it was pretty good. Yeah. Crazy shit. So, Army of Darkness at one, then. I think so. I, I If you had to ask me... Evil Dead's like a 9 out of 10. And Evil Dead 2 is like a 9 to a 10 out of 10. And same with Army of Darkness. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I bet some people would scoff at me giving Army of Darkness a 10 out of 10. But I honestly don't care. It's a complete classic that I love almost every minute of. Yeah. And, and movie, I think that's fine. I knew what I, knew what I was going to think about it going in. But, uh... I mean, Evil Dead 2 is, like, basically I, uh... my favorite horror movie, but Army of Darkness is a very special place in my heart. It's great. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> yeah. So, if you haven't watched that movie, go watch this classic. You know, you know, you're, you know. Yeah. So, next, so next week, week. Yeah, we're watching we the remake. This. Yeah. Watching the remake of Evil Dead, which I have never seen, don't know much about. I do know that the director of that did a, a movie that I've wanted to see for a while called Don't Breathe that I've heard is very good. Um, but I've heard very mixed things about the Evil Dead remake. I so, don't know. I don't hate it. it. 
I've seen it. You, you have seen it. Okay. I've seen it. Okay, so I, I don't hate it. Um, tonally, it is definitely the darkest of all of them. It does go for the straight horror. Trying to take it back to Evil Dead 1. Right. For sure. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a little extra on some things, and it does have, like, some, some weird, like, modern horror sets of I don't care for. Um, okay. But it's not a bad movie, but it's going to end up on the bottom. I'll tell you that right now. Well, I don't think that's necessarily an insult in this particular ranking. You know, this isn't something like the Friday movies where, like, the last one is, like, a horrible piece of shit that you shouldn't watch. This is four good movies, probably. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. I, at least I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see a different take on it. Yeah, and, uh, I, I, we'll, I like it. Okay, I don't think we need to necessarily do like a big wrap up episode like we do for our big series. No, because it's a small series. <laughs> yeah, most of the stuff we're talking about out of the way. Unless you want to like play one of the games. <laughs> I mean, like, do I have to? I've heard they're terrible. They suck. I own one of them. Uh, the one for the oh, that's true. Well, tell us what you copy. remember I next week. Case. I will. Oh we'll my god. And everything. What's, it's, what's, it's, the, it's what's the name of that game? Exact subtitle. Let me look it up real quick. Uh, just to see. Oh, it's Evil Dead Hail to the King. Well, oh, that makes sense. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. it, it's, an, it's a Resident Evil one. ripoff that's not good. Mm-hmm. I remember that one, and there was one that I think was like a hidden slash some shit on the Xbox. Yeah, PS2 yeah, that's, gen. That, that's Evil Dead Regeneration. Yeah. You have, like, a little deadite companion that's, like, a dwarf who, like, I don't know what the fuck's going on in that game. Who care? Is there a Commodore Evil Dead game? I don't think so. Here we go. The Evil Dead video game. Evil oh, Dead God. is a survival horror adventure game produced by Palace Software for the Commodore 64. I'm it's sure based it's on the 1980 accurate. horror film with the same name. It looks terrible. Remember with that Friday the 13th game we played on Commodore? I don't even think we talked about it. It wasn't like anything like Friday the 13th. <laughs> Anywho, that's next week. We'll talk to you then. Okay, we're going to go play Fall Guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys.